0: Coach, I got to be honest. It's like watching the little giants sometimes. They're running the annexation of Puerto Rico. I mean, you are
1: creative. I mean, it is some of y'all's stuff. Like, do y'all ever just draw them up in the dirt? We're not scared to try anything. I think our players know that if they came up with something, they can give us the idea. And a lot of times, if we try it in practice and it works one time, we, we put it in the bank and we don't screw it up as coaches and we call it in the game.
0: Hello, welcome to the Monday, July 25th edition of Always College Football. We appreciate you being with us and we hope that you like, rate and subscribe to the show wherever it is you're getting it. Whether it's on Apple Podcasts, on the ESPN YouTube channel or if you're downloading us off Spotify, we really appreciate the interaction. Hit us up in the comments. It makes us better. We read them all. Some of them aren't as fun to read as others, but it does make us better. So we appreciate the constructive criticism that you've given us up to this point. We really hope to curb the show to make sure that we best fit your needs as a consumer as we move along in the weeks to come. We have a great show lined up for today. Big Ten Media Days just a day away, but there was a lot of news coming out of the college football world over the past few days. We'll talk about Tennessee's situation and why I'm not going to lose a lot of sleep if I'm the Volunteers. We'll also visit with head coach of the Purdue Boilermakers, Jeff Brom. On the heels of a nine win season just a year ago it was a fantastic performance so we look forward to our visit with him and of course we'll try as we always do when we have time we always want to get into some of the mailbag questions so we'll get into a question or two from there but first let's talk about it the tennessee volunteers this past weekend were hit with a total of 18 level one violations under the previous staff the previous regime that totaled the grand total amount of $60,000. Now, here's where I'm having a difficult time trying to connect the dots between then and now, and it helps illustrate just how much things have changed. $60,000. And as a result, you saw a complete proactive approach by Tennessee to clean house. They got rid of not just Jeremy Pruitt and his staff, But they also, in some ways, kind of pushed Phil Fulmer, the athletic director, pushed him out the door as well because he was credited with hiring Jeremy Pruitt. They were so reckless and so ridiculous on the trail, on the recruiting trail specifically, that they even had bills for nails and car payments and really a horrendous line of dumb decisions by the previous regime. But what's interesting is this was two years ago and it was $60,000. In its entirety, $60,000 feels like quite a bit of money, especially when it was impermissible benefits. But when you look at where we're at now, they have a quarterback recruit that they've been very outspoken about, not Tennessee specifically, but the collective associated with Tennessee, that is going to be likely bringing in well over a million dollars a year over the course of the next few years if he plays for all four at Tennessee, So $60,000 compared to where we're at now, think about how the landscape has changed. Jeremy Pruitt and his staff, they're out of college football. They might never be back in college football because of the recklessness with which they ran the program. Of course, improper benefits, all those things, they were frowned upon. They were illegal and they deserve to be fired. But when you look at where we're at now and just how much things have changed, $60,000, your walk-ons might be making $60,000 in NIL opportunities. So my question is, with what's already been imposed what else is coming they've already imposed 12 scholarship productions last year they also imposed several recruiting restrictions over the course of the last calendar year and are still dealing with some of those self-imposed aspects they didn't miss a bowl game last year they didn't think that was fair to the current student athletes and the current administration and The coaching staff those guys earned it they had nothing to do with what happened beforehand so why would we penalize them I thought it was the correct decision from Tennessee to play in the Liberty or play in the Music City Bowl last year and it ended up being an amazing game against Jeff Brom and and the Purdue Boilermakers we'll talk with Jeff Brom in just a minute we'll ask him about that bowl game uh, as well but when you look at this what more should be done to Tennessee the answer is nothing was Jeremy Pruitt penalized yes Was the rest of his staff penalized? Yes. Should there be anything that's done to Tennessee in addition to what they've already had to deal with? The answer is no. Nobody associated with Tennessee right now had anything to do with what happened under Jeremy Pruitt's leadership. Those coaches, specifically those coaches, should be the ones that are held responsible. The university should not, at least at this point, given where we are in college sports they shouldn't have to pay any further penalties. They should be able to move forward and try to focus on the great things that are likely coming to Rocky Top.
2: Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and Good!
0: We welcome in for the very first time. He's Jeff Brom. He's the head coach of the Purdue Boilermakers. What a year they had last year. Coach, are you still just relishing in the excitement of what was 2021?
1: Well, I wish I could. We did have a successful (laughs) season. I thought we made some progress. Uh, We finished with a great win without question, uh, going down to Nashville and finding a way to beat Tennessee and Anytime you can do that, uh, it means a lot. But as you know, every year is a new year. Uh, We've got a lot of work ahead of us. Uh, For us, we've got to earn all of our stripes. So, uh, you know, we've got to work hard. We've got to play hard. We've got to find a way to coach well. And uh, there's a lot of good competition on our schedule. So we've got to come ready to play.
0: Well, was that? uh, I know you've been a part of a lot of games as a player and now as a coach, but have you ever seen a crazier game than that game in Nashville against Tennessee?
1: A lot of back and forth and uh, a lot of fireworks <laughs> in the fourth quarter. Uh, but you know how games are. In bowl season, anything can happen. I just think that, uh, you know, a couple of guys stepped up. Uh, there was some a little luck that went on our side as well, without question. But, uh, you know, a lot of times when a, a couple of new players have to emerge, uh, you know, you get the best out of them. I think there was excitement around the game. There was excitement around the, the type of crowd that uh, was at the game course when you're playing a team of the caliber of tennessee and in front of their home fans basically it gives you more incentive and momentum um, uh, motive to to go out there and play hard but it was just a, as you know when, when it ends on your side things uh, go well and you have a you know a happy summer when not uh it's back to work right away
0: yeah it was it was remarkable though to watch and i i i gotta ask i mean you're a former quarterback uh Are you good with how many points and yards were given up on both sides? Because it was pretty exciting to watch both quarterbacks and both offenses. It was like a track meet, man. I was starting to get sad for the defense there for a bit. I was like, how are these guys keeping up? It was unbelievable.
1: Well, those are fun games to watch and fun games (laughs) to play in. And uh, We're both offensive guys and we want to see guys throw for yards. So those are just fun to be a part of. And. Of course, defense uh, can help you win championships and do all those things. But in a bowl game, it's really just about winning. So they have the fireworks, they had a lot of firepower on offense, a really good quarterback, fast receivers. Uh, Some of our receivers stepped up and made plays. Our quarterback played well. And it was just a lot of fun to participate in. But, uh, you know, when you you step up uh, your level of play against top competition, Really, the defense does have to step up and play well, but that was just a game where the offense was uh, uh, took off in the fourth quarter and had fun with it.
0: Coach, it's amazing what you guys did. And honestly, uh, you're such a great coach. I think you're phenomenal. I love, love how thoughtful you are with every plan, how you can neutralize the pass rush, your screen game. We'll talk about that in a minute because that your screen game blows my mind. But either way, uh, I, I want to ask you quickly about, Just how you manage the expectations now, because it's not like Purdue's flying under anyone's radar anymore. I mean, we know what y'all are capable of. There's no denying that, hey, if Purdue shows up and balls out, they can beat you and will beat you. So how now do you take that next step as a program, knowing that you're going to, without question, get everyone's best shot because of how capable you were a year ago?
1: You know, I think we've had some really good moments here. We've had some others that haven't been as well. And I think when you have that, uh, you realize that you still have a long ways to go, which we do. Uh, but we've got really hungry young men that uh, want to play hard. They want to go out and prove themselves. They think they've been overlooked. Those are the type of guys you really like to coach because they're hungry and they are out to prove themselves. So we try to have fun with it. And uh, we've got a really good schedule. Uh, we know that each and every week you've got to bring it. You've got to play at uh, at the highest level. And you want to try to win as many as you can, but at the same time, you got to understand more than likely you're, you're going to lose at some point. And the way you handle those losses and how you're able to bounce back and how much you're willing to learn as a coach, as a play caller, as a, as a player really determines your next uh, outcome. And I just think our guys have, have the ability to uh, come back after any game uh, win or loss and, and step up and, and just give it their best shot. And uh, in order to, uh, to be great competition, you, you've got to you know play fearless, uh, and that starts from the, the head coach to the play caller to your players on the field. You've got to call it that way. Everything matters at the highest level, and uh, you being a successful quarterback knows that your talent it, it can be great, but you've got to have the right plays, the right people, uh, the linemen doing their job, things falling into place. Uh, and but if you have that, great things can happen at any point, and that's just kind of what we do here. We're not we're not scared of the big game. We actually kind of normally step up our game at that point because they look forward to it. And as coaches, you know, you got to do your part to give them a chance. So those games are just a lot of fun for us.
0: Yeah. The spoiler makers, as we uh, affectionately began to call you last year, did you ever refer to yourself as the spoiler makers within the building?
1: Well, I wish we could get to where we won more and we wouldn't have to be (laughs) the spoiler makers all the time. Uh, But winning big games as, I mean, when you have two top five wins, like we did last year, one on the road, one at home, uh, that were really good wins. I mean, we won double digits, both games. And then you go play a team that was really hot in Tennessee with, you know, some de- little bit of a depleted roster. I'm sure they did as well. And, and just guys step up and, and make plays and win. It does mean a lot. So, yes, it makes the offseason a little bit better. But as soon as you start patting yourself on the back, as you know, uh, things could uh, you know, go the wrong direction this year. And, and this year we you know, we started home against Penn State in a really big game. I'm sure they're going to be hungry. They have a lot of talent. When we played them three or four years ago, they, they had 28 points before we could blink, and I thought they were going to score 100 on us. So we got a work cut <laughs> out for us. And uh, But those are the type of games that if you if you play well and you find a way to win, you know what? You can gain a lot of momentum, and, and great things can happen because of that.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, obviously, Penn State known for using the whiteout in big games. I'm, I'm told that you guys are going with uh,
1: something similar. Well, We are going with the blackout. And, uh, (laughs) you know, for us, you know what, our crowds have really picked up over the years. And uh, I do think it'll be a sellout. I do think our fans have really done a great job of stepping up, coming out and supporting our team. Uh, I think they like to see a competitive team go out there and fight, try to win. And when you play great opponents like Penn State with that history and that tradition, uh, if you can pull out a win, it it can help those guys kind of storm the field afterwards. And that's what makes college football so much fun.
0: Coach, how do you prepare for a team like Penn State? Because they were so drastically different in the first half of the season versus the second half of the season, knowing that you're getting them week one. Um, they've probably done a lot of self-scout over the last six or seven months, no denying that. So when you prepare for a team that did have a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde the year before, but the staff remains, for the most part, consistent, you know how do you prepare for that and what tape do you use?
1: Well, we've watched, we watched a lot of Penn State video without question. We've watched a lot of Miami video because of Coach Diaz and the defense. Right. And, uh, you know, Penn State's a team that's very talented. I'm sure they weren't happy with the way they finished last year, which is going to make that work ethic that much uh, stronger in the offseason. It's going to make them more hungry to come out and prove themselves because they are a very talented football team. Um you know, defensively, they're solid. They're going to play an aggressive scheme with Coach Diaz coming in. We've watched a lot of Miami, studied exactly what they're doing, trying to figure out, you know, how that's going to piece together. But we've got to come ready to play because they're they're really good on that side of the ball. And offense, I'm sure they thought they should have performed better last year, but they have a quarterback who's played a lot. Uh, they have weapons on the outside. Uh, they normally have the offensive line that you want, and I'm sure maybe they didn't play they wouldn't the way they won it last year as well. So they're going to be working hard and be coached hard. And uh, we've got to come come ready to play. Uh, you know, to us, winning that game can be huge. But at the same time, if we're not playing at a high level, we know that the score could go really bad the other way. So uh, there's a lot of motivation. We've worked hard at it. Uh, it's an important game. It's on uh, Fox on a Thursday night, national TV on our home field. And we want to try to win all of our home games. And that hasn't happened since I've been here. But we want to try hard and start uh, game one
0: what about conference week one coach? I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's not, I mean, we've seen the big 10 do it for, for a while now. I think it's obviously going to be a great rating. A ton of people are going to watch. There's an appetite for a big conference matchup in week one, but does it increase the level of urgency in camp? I mean, are the guy's very aware. How does that have a positive effect on your team?
1: Well, conference games are always important. Trying to just kind of put yourself in position at the end of the year, uh, But good opponents the first game are really what really drives you to work hard in the offseason. And you know that uh, you don't want to be embarrassed the first game. You know, going into game one, everybody expects to win all their games It's just how it is. That's the mental makeup. And you have to be realistic and understand that you're you're not going to win unless you do a lot of things right. You put in the work. uh, You you play as mistake-free football as you can. All three elements of the, the team step up, offense, defense, and special teams. And then, of course, you have a little luck. All those things have to come into play uh so I just think that you know that you're not easing into the season uh we've done that multiple times here to be quite honest we haven't done a great job of winning the first game so we've got to you know figure out what we did wrong in the past and really uh you know make sure our team is prepared and our coaches are prepared in order to go out there to, to find a way to win
0: well it's, it's great to have a 6th year quarterback that's been there what has he been there longer than you has Aiden been there longer <laughs> than you I think he has
1: Well, almost. He came in when we got here, but
0: you're exactly right. Okay, so you guys are attached at the hip since, what, 2017 or whatnot. So uh, now that he's in year six and is firmly established as the starter, that's a breath of fresh air, knowing how many guys you were rolling there early in the season last year. you know What more can you do offensively because of his comfort level and the fact that he's fully entrenched as the guy throughout the course of spring, summer, and now heading into fall camp?
1: I've got to give a lot of credit to Aiden. This uh, young man's worked extremely hard. Came in as a walk-on. Really didn't have a whole lot of options. Uh, just continued to work and fight and battle. And uh, you know, even the one year he played, we were down to our fourth quarterback, and we're, basically we had to play him. And he came in and did a really good job. And even from there, you know, he had a, he had a head coach who didn't start him and play him some, so he had to overcome the coaching there. Uh, but he convinced us midway through the season that he was our starter. And uh, at the same time, I think I did a better job of maybe. Um, knowing what our team did best, figuring out what he did best, helping our uh, guys have success. So I think it was a combination of a lot of things, and he was at the right spot at the right time. But really the last half of the season, he played an elite level of football at a high level, uh, was very efficient, really has a great uh, feel in the pocket with great poise and and presence. He doesn't get rattled. He's a very accurate passer. The mobility is not his strength, but at the same time, he can stand in there the last minute. And if we can call the right play and distribute the field and protect just long enough, he's going to get the ball to the receiver and throw it in an accurate, catchable way where we can get yards after the catch. But just a tremendous young man. He's got a lot of faith. His teammates believe in him. He's a great leader. He doesn't care who's in there. You know, one game when we beat Iowa last year, we played three quarterbacks. Yeah. And at, at, at one point during the game, he was asking to put somebody else in, in in the red zone there to get us a touchdown. So that's just the type of kid he is. Uh, So we're lucky to have him. And uh, I hope that he has a great year. I know he's worked extremely hard. Uh, We have to play great around him in order for him to succeed and and put up great numbers. But we're going to work hard to get that done.
0: He's one of those guys that regardless of who you're loyal to and and the team that you pull for, I got a soft spot in my heart for Aiden O'Connell. No doubt. His story is amazing and he's just overcome a lot and just very happy for the success that he's had. You spot, talk about calling the right play and helping him out. And I want to ask you about your screen game because, Coach, I got to be honest. It's like watching the little giants sometimes. They're running the annexation of Puerto Rico. I mean, you are creative. <laughs> I mean, it's some of y'all stuff from a trick play standpoint, from a misdirection standpoint, from a screen game standpoint. Like, do y'all ever just draw them up in the dirt and say, "Hey, are you go here? You go here. Let's try this." Is that kind of how it comes to fruition?
1: Well, we're not as scared to steal plays from anybody. And, uh, you know, I I think, uh, you know, we do study a lot of video here of other teams, successful teams, NFL, college. We've gotten a lot of plays even from high school teams. There's a lot of great high school coaches across the country. But I think it comes down into really the screen game is important to us because, you know, you want to get your quarterback in a rhythm. You want to give him completions. You want to get him confidence so that when he has to take shots up the field, he feels like, hey, I've completed a few balls here. I can be aggressive. Right. Um, you know, you want to make sure that you don't hold the ball too long in the pocket because it, it's hard on the offensive line. You got to find ways to maybe play action protect where you're not having to pass it all the time. You got to find ways to do the, the run pass RPO stuff so you're not having to pass protect all the time. All those things come into play. But, uh, you know, just getting completions, having some fun with it. Yes, trick plays have, have, uh, worked well for us in the past. There have been a few years they've dried up and we've had to kind of get creative and and fix that. But uh, we study it and uh, we're not scared to try anything. I think our players know that if they came up with something, they can give us the idea. And a lot of times if we try it in practice and it works one time, we we put it in the bank and we don't screw it up as coaches and we call it in the game.
0: Uh, I know it's kind of crazy to me, coach, because I remember pretty vividly in in college. Uh, if I missed a throw or made a bad throw, Coach Saban would look at me, and I don't do a good Saban impression, so just hear me out. I could make that throw. And I'd be like, all right, Coach, <laughs> whatever. You know, it's fine. <laughs> sure, that's great. Uh, but if I were playing for you, you actually probably could make that throw. So do you ever just have to just resist jumping into the, the huddle and just showing them how it's done if they're not executing it the way you want it to be
1: executed? Well, I used to not be great at keeping my composure. I have gotten a little <laughs> bit better, uh, but I think we both know that sometimes it looks open on the sidelines. Sometimes it looks open uh, when you're watching film. But when you bit it, when you've been hit a few times in the game, uh, when you see that big guy coming around the edge and you know he's been there before, it affects your throw. So that's why it's just important to get some throws. We we kind of. We have a list of throws that we say we don't care if we don't block any person. The ball should get out if we run the route on time and we throw it on time. We want to call enough of those just so that our quarterback gets comfortable. He knows that you know he has completions before, so you know what? Now I can be a little more aggressive. So all those things factor into it. It's not a perfect science. We're not perfect at it by any means, but we do want to make sure that Whatever our quarterback is good at, we figure out a way to help him be successful, feel good about the numbers he has, uh, the ability to move the football and score points. And, and that's always a challenge because it changes every year.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, too. Uh, I mean, if you don't step in there and, and throw it, would your brother, perhaps? I mean, like <laughs> which bro, which Braum brother throws it best? I mean, where are you guys at right now in the pecking order?
1: Well, we still have our, uh, our contest, and I, <laughs> I hate to admit it, but you know, the day before the game, as a head coach and quarterback coach and uh, quarterbacks, we go out to the 20-yard line, we try to hit the crossbar. Yeah. And for whatever reason, last year, I, I was by far the winner. Now I get <laughs> to throw first, uh, and I probably keep my own stats. But, uh, you know, I think we all can throw it a little bit. As you know, you kind of don't lose that motion. But going out there and, and doing it when you have a, <clears throat> 11 guys around you and about five to seven rushing you is a little different story. But, uh, you know, what quarterback's unique position? Uh, A lot of times it not only takes ability, but it takes courage. It takes poise. It takes uh, being a great teammate, all those things. Uh, But it's a lot of fun. I think if you have successful quarterback play, you're going to have a chance to win. If you can get the other components to at least play at a moderate, reasonable level. Finally, Coach, we'll
0: get you out of here with this. Uh, I I do want to ask you a little bit about the current state of the Big Ten uh philosophically uh, you kind of buck the trend uh as does Ohio State as did a few others I mean, Maryland's throwing it all over the yard and we had Mike Loxley on a couple weeks ago and said man I know the Big Ten to be three yards in cloud dust run defense is a, of the highest priority being able to pound and impose your will at the line of scrimmage with big physical bodies along the offensive and defensive lines you, you guys are not that way you guys want to kind of play to space you guys want to pitch it and catch it you want to be high you want to highly prioritize the passing game. So, you know, what does your style say about the Big Ten currently and what the Big Ten might look like a few years down the road?
1: Well, it's an exciting time because you never know what's going to happen next year. I do think there's a lot of really good football in the Big Ten. Uh I still do think even though we don't run that style, the most successful teams in the Big Ten are really good up front. And they can run the football and they play great defense. We're trying to get better at those things. I'm not going to lie. We are. I wish we could run the ball better. I wish we could be dominant on the defensive side of the ball, but we're going to work hard to continue to improve that. But until then, I think you have to play a little more wide open style. You have to give your team a chance to make plays in space and have some creativity and have some fun in order to pull off some upsets. Uh, Maybe it doesn't make for the consistency that you would like, but we do want to work towards really being more balanced and really yeah. being better on defense and really being better up front and being able to dominate the trenches. But at the same time, as you look and evaluate your team every year, you've got to be honest. Uh, and as you proceed towards the season, you know, sometimes you might you may not be able to do that as well as you like and you have to be able to adjust. So that's why I think the passing game is so important. Uh, guys like to do that. You can find ways. Uh, to get better at that uh, at all times. Sometimes you may not need to protect as long as you think if you're really good and you can space things out. So I just think uh, your championship teams without question can run the football and they can play great defense, but you really have to be able to have really good passing game to be able to, to win certain games if you're behind or certain games uh, if you have to come back uh, and you can't stick to that consistent ground game and, and hardcore defense. And I think that's why you see... You know, Even the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world, they can throw the ball and sling it around. And the Oklahomas and and, and even Clemson at time, all those teams can throw the ball better, even though they're very good at the other things. So right now for us, all I can speak of is about Purdue. We're we're trying to get better at being a a more of a typical Big Ten football team of doing those things, but we still have a ways to go.
0: Yeah, I definitely know that seeing you guys last year, the steps and improvements you all made, it's amazing. So we can't wait to see you this year. Uh, Jeff Brom uh, joining us here on Always College Football Coach. We so appreciate the time. I'm going to always refer to you as the head football coach of the Purdue Boilermakers, but now I know to add a caveat and saying he's the crossbar champion of 2021 amongst the (laughs) quarterbacks and, of course, the coaches. So, which I I know head coach is a big title, but champion of the last season when it comes to the crossbar
1: contest, pretty important as well. I'll take it for 2021. We'll see how this year goes. Rip
0: off the rearview mirror, Coach. Let's not get complacent. Let's focus ahead, all right? Yes, sir. Thanks so much, Coach. We look forward to seeing you soon.
3: With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management.
0: What a great visit with coach Jeff Brom and how about the things that he's done in the last few years they've had some great moments everyone remembers Rondale Moore's performance obviously against Ohio State and that remarkable remarkable night game one of the great moments in Purdue football history was that dominant win over the Buckeyes but they've almost surpassed that now I feel like with what they've now created I think to do what they've done with I guess marginal talent at several different spots, obviously stars at some, and they'll have to replace David Bell at wide receiver. They'll have to replace George Karloftis at defensive end. But if you look at Purdue, and we had them last year against Ohio State, the sum was greater than each individual part. And there's something to be said for that. I think that is the testament to a great coach. When you can get the most out of your team on an annual basis, and it feels like that's what Jeff Brom's been able to do, That's really a feather in the cap for what's been built there. I expect them to be good again. I'd like them to find a little more balance, (laughs) as I think everybody would. If they can run the ball, maybe just a little bit more efficiency, take some of the pressure off the passing game, that would be beneficial. But either way, they should make some noise this year. And after last year pulling the upsets that they did, they won't be sneaking up on anybody here in 2022. So look forward to seeing what Purdue does. Should be pretty solid again. And We'll break down their roster a little bit more here. In the days and weeks to come but before we do all that we got to get to the mailbag this question comes from jimmy in pennsylvania after last year's 11 win season in year two of mel tucker's tenure is michigan state poised to overtake ohio state and michigan and win the east now what they did last year was amazing let's let's acknowledge that okay and remember they beat michigan last year in what was pretty dramatic fashion now, I think what Mel Tucker did in year two to be able to turn things around and get things going in a positive direction so quickly, uh, it certainly garnered or should have garnered some coach of the year recognition. They relied a lot on transfer portal players, a lot of guys that were plugged into the lineup. Kenneth Walker being the best example that went on to have amazing, amazing years. Well, as a result now, guess what? Everyone that entered the portal is now considering Michigan State as a possible destination. I think their growth could center around the growth of the quarterback position. Now, Peyton Thorne did a lot of great things last year, had the 27 to 10 touchdown and interception ratio. There were some moments when he was completely dialed in, and he looked great, looked in control, looked accurate, looked decisive. And then there were other moments when you looked at him and he looked like a guy that was really playing early in his career and has a lot of room to grow and develop. So I need to get steady, consistent play from him before I feel great about them overtaking the likes of Michigan and overtaking the likes of Ohio State. I think they're a long distance away from Ohio State, as evidenced by last year's performance. they got to grow in a lot of areas before they can catch the Buckeyes. But I do think being a solid contender for the number two spot in the Big Ten East is well within reason. Obviously, Peyton Thorne's got to take the next step. How do you replace Kenneth Walker at running back? Well, they went and... Got into the transfer portal, just like they did when they got Kenneth Walker last year. They go and get Jalen Berger from Wisconsin. He's been a good player for several years. And the guy that I don't think many people know about is Jarek Broussard. He's transferring up from Colorado, and he was offensive player of the year in 2020 in the in the Pac-12 at that kind of an unusual season. But if you look at what Colorado did that year, they were excellent, in large part due to what Broussard brought to the running game we already know they have a game-changing wide receiver in Jaden reed the guy might be an all-american by the time the season's over especially if Thorne can continue to progress and being able to hit some things down the fields so that's the offense feel good about that side of the ball especially knowing that they have some starting experience returning along the offensive line the defense is where i'm going to lose a little bit more sleep good news is you can't get any worse in the pass defense than you did last year. They were 130th in the pass defense. But you got to take into account who they played. They played Purdue. They played Western Kentucky. And they also played Ohio State. Three teams in college football that throw the ball all over the yard. So some of those numbers are going to be inflated. But for Michigan State to finish 130th in college football against the pass, that can't happen again. The good news is they actually have a pretty veteran group coming back at all three levels defensively if you look they're too deep they're projected too deep they have only four underclassmen and all four are sophomores that will be in the 2d rotation everyone else is either a junior or senior so you got to feel cautiously optimistic that all the experience that's been gained over the last few years both at michigan state and at other places those pieces will now come together and gel i think they'll be dangerous but i'm really really wondering whether or not they'll be able to replicate an 11 win season. I think that's far fetched, but I wouldn't be shocked if they hover somewhere in the vicinity of eight and nine wins. That's pretty solid, too, especially knowing some of the key pieces that you have to replace off last year's team. Mel Tucker's got it going, and there's no reason to believe that this team is going to take a huge step back before they start contending on a little bit more consistent basis. Just please improve the pass defense. Please. Even from a quarterback's perspective, it was difficult to watch at times last year so we really appreciate you being with us here at always college football for all of us we appreciate when you like rate and subscribe it helps the show hit us up in the comments the comments are really beneficial we read them all we try to interact with them all hit us up in the gmail always college football at gmail.com we'll be able to interact with you there and then on social media as well at always cfb on twitter so we look forward to our inter- interactions and we really appreciate, like I said, the time that you spent with us here today. Remember, for all of us here at Always College Football, it never sleeps. The season is upon us. Big Ten Media Days coming up later this week. We look forward to our visits that we'll get out of the Big Ten. For all of us here at Always College Football, I'm Greg McElroy. Hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, it's Always College Football.